Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor, tell them, you are a gift. <laughs> turn to your other neighbor and tell them, I am a gift too. You are, you really, really are a gift. And God has great plans and purposes for your life, every single person here. And that's why we're so excited, so happy to see every single one of you in the house as we are continuing with this series, Unwrapped in our Oh my gosh, Vian, you messed me up. What is it called? Wrapped in love. Oh my God. Wrapped in love. Because God truly wants us to understand the gift of our relationship with Jesus, our salvation, but also to see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us as gifts to this world, gifts to God. And if you're here and you're journeying in faith, if you're here and you're just trying to figure things out, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. God wants to reveal his great plans and purposes for your life tonight and every single day of your life for the rest of your life. And as a church, we hope to be part of that journey. And we hope that you'll be in great relationships along the way that will help you grow in your relationship with God and loving God, loving people, and being a great example of who Jesus is to people around us. Not perfect examples, but passionate ones, caring ones, loving ones, being the best that we can be in the seasons that God has called us to. Uh, tonight, I expect God's word to speak to all of us, myself included, but before we dive into God's word, we just want to share, or I want to share a couple of monumental moments that we got to celebrate as a ministry over the last few weeks. We had a couple weddings, few people in our ministry that, that got married. Yeah, we can give God some praise for that. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. A couple, couple weeks ago or last month, we had Aaron and Shelby Labarento. Uh, many of us know Aaron's last name as Sadaba. If you want to know more information on that, talk to him. But their new last name is Labarento. And we also recently celebrated Vian and Alyssa's wedding as that guy right there. And you know, I just want to say like these moments are, are so awesome because you get to celebrate with your family members, your friends, your loved ones, the people that have impacted your life in the moment, but also people that have been part of your life from the very beginning. And it always humbles me, but also brings me to like just a place of just awe, like to see so many people come and celebrate this amazing moment of new life in these couples. And I just like seeing people get married. It just gets me all like jazzed and excited. And I know that the rest of their journey, getting to know God more, getting to know each other more, getting to understand God's love more and the love that they have for one another, it'll be a journey. But that moment's awesome. And what I love about weddings is it reminds me of how heaven celebrates when we come into relationship with Jesus. It says all of heaven celebrates and praises God and gets just so excited and filled with love and awe when people come to know Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And weddings become a glimpse of what heaven will be like when we get to be in God's presence, be with him face to face, and we just hear praise and celebration and joy everywhere that we go. And I know that's for later when we enter heaven, but every day here on earth, we can still have that same kind of celebration, that same kind of joy because of Jesus' love that is here with us here on earth. Because God is not a God that's distant. He is a God that is with us. He is Emmanuel. He is amongst us right now. And his presence want to, wants to wrap us in hope, wrap us in love, wrap us in purpose and destiny and goodness and kindness and just all the good things that God is because God is good. Amen. You know, tonight we're going to be talking about just one passage from the Bible. We're going to be talking about how Jesus resurrected his friend named Lazarus. And we're going to take some learning points for every single one of us. And it might be one of the more uh, shorter passages that we're going to read together, but I truly believe that there are going to be some really profound uh, moments in this passage that's going to speak to us about our life and our life in relationship with God, reminding us that we're wrapped in love. Amen. 
We're going to dive into the message or into uh, the passage from 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. At the end of this, we're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's love that has changed someone's life. But before we do, again, this is God's word. John eleven thirty eight 38 to 44 goes like this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he, Lazarus, has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And here's a key part of the passage that we'll be focusing on tonight. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your spirit, your presence, and your love that manifests in our lives, in every area of, your life, of our lives, because you sent your son Jesus, and he has wrapped us in his love. God, I pray that tonight that this wouldn't be any other night. This wouldn't be a night that we just check off the list, but Lord, may your word speak such truth in us that we couldn't help but leave here changed and transformed. There is a story in Lazarus in the Bible that you want to personalize to every single one of us here. You want your word to come alive in our lives. So Lord, I pray that we would lean in. I pray that your word would speak to us. And God, may we physically feel your presence wrap us in your love. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Number one in your notes, the gift of new life always provides hope. Everyone say hope. Always provides hope. Going back to John 11, verses 38 to 40, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? What I love so much about this passage, just these three verses in itself, is right there in the very beginning. Once more deeply moved. Jesus was once more deeply moved. And in four simple words, it tells us that Jesus is constantly moved. That something about him is deeply caring, deeply loving, deeply compassionate about the people that he's around. And that means every single one of us. We live life so many times trying to find purpose and hope and love in all of the wrong places when Jesus' word itself tells us, God's word itself tells us that he's already moved in compassion just because we're here just because we have breath, just because we have life. And I don't care what you've done, what you've been through. God doesn't care what we've done, what we've been through. He cares about our life, not just here on earth, but also for eternity. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus. That's why Jesus is compelled to be deeply moved time and time again. 
he's deeply moved for us as individuals, but he's also deeply moved for this world, that this world would know about the love of God and that we as individuals would come to know in a personal way this love of God. He was deeply moved and then he came. He came to his friend's side. Lazarus was one of his friends. And, you know, just kind of reading this passage too, I was kind of like, like, God, how come four days though? You know, like, Lazarus clearly died, right, on one day. Why would Jesus wait four days? And, like, I was expecting, like, some really profound, like, Holy Spirit moment where, like, God would illuminate the reason why. And I'm not saying that this is the correct answer, but this is what God spoke to me. And he was in a very simple way. Like, they didn't have cell phones, internet, social media, okay? Like, Jesus didn't have a way to know, but when he found out, what did he do? He went. And the four days didn't matter to Jesus, the circumstances and situations didn't matter to Jesus. His sister said, Jesus, who was also his friend, Sarah, uh, his sister was also his friend. She even said, Jesus, there is no hope. He's been dead for four days. And then Jesus proceeds with the miracle. Isn't that crazy? That the circumstances and situations in Lazarus' life, even the things that the people even closest to him had placed on his life, that this is just how it is. This is just how this person, this is just how the circumstances and situations are. This is just how things are going to be. He's gone. He's just going to be like this. That's just how they are. Circumstance, situations, reason, and even the people closest to Lazarus should have just kind of given him a death sentence. But Jesus says, no, I look past circumstance and situation. I look past the labels and the narratives that you've placed on your life or others have placed on your life. And what do I see in you? I see hope. I see hope. And I don't know what some of us here are going through, but I know people go through things a little bit harder during the holiday seasons. That's just statistics. Those lies, those narratives, those circumstances and situations just eat us up on the inside. They become more loud now than most in the year. And guess what? God came to this world during this time of the year to be exactly who he wanted to be. The man, the son of God, the person that would bring us hope. Just think about that. He looked past the situations of Lazarus. He looked back what people had said about him. And he said that there's still hope. I just feel led to say this here. Like some of us, we're on that last thread. There's many of us here that are just living on cloud nine with God. And that's awesome. That's amazing. Praise God. But we know that people are seeking hope. In this time of the year, during this season, like never before. I just know. I've heard stories. We've experienced things. Like I know people here need to know, need to hear that the word of God says, son and daughter, you still have hope. I am looking past your circumstances. I'm looking past what the people have said about you. What you even say about yourself. I am looking past those things into your grave. And I see you and I say, there's still time for hope. Amen. So what are those areas in your life? I've reflected in mine. My life's not perfect. I wish I could say like following God for 18 years of my life would lead to a life where I'm just like skating through like glory to God, worshiping God everywhere that I go. But life gets hard. Life gets real. And I need to always remember the why. Some of us here, we just need to be grateful again. You know, like Christmas time, so busy, so many stuff to do, so many places to be. 
The greatest gift is our salvation. So whether you're here and you're solid in your faith, there's still time for us to go before God every single day and just say, God, thank you for being with me. Thank you for looking past my circumstances then so that I can have hope in my life today and now. Amen. Number two in your notes. The gift of new life reveals to us God's grace. Verses 41 to 42. Again, continuing with this story of Jesus, the miracle of raising Lazarus. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Again, number two in your notes, the gift of new life reveals to us God's grace. And here's the crazy thing about grace. We can only truly understand how much of a gift God's grace is when we've experienced the actual pain, the actual brokenness that would lead us to him. So many of us have come into a relationship with Jesus when we hit rock bottom. That's just the reality of living in a fallen world because we are pretty much like grown up to think, right? This is placed in us from the very beginning, almost like manufactured, that we can make it happen, that we can be the best version of ourselves. That we can do awesome and amazing things as long as we put our mind to it. And none of those things are bad. But separate from God, we see how fallen that kind of view and mindset of ourselves and the world truly, truly is. We can chase all of the success and all of the notoriety. We can have all of the fame and fortune. We can have all of the friendships all of the things that, would, that we think would bring fulfillment to us, but without truly understanding the grace of God, we're living empty lives here on earth. That's just the truth. And many of you guys know my story. The reason why I came into a relationship with Jesus wasn't because I was flying high on cloud nine. It was because I was a hurting and broken 15-year-old. Grandfather passed away from cancer, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression, dealing with not feeling like life was worth living at 15 years old. And a friend, when I didn't deserve it because of where my life was going, shared with me about the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. That despite how fallen and broken I am, despite how fallen and broken this world is, there is still hope for me because of God's grace. And I want to just encourage all of us, like, yes, like, there's, we're conditioned, right, to think, like, if something is causing pain, run from it. And a lot of times we think our, our pain is from God, so run from God, because he doesn't love you, because he doesn't love me, because he doesn't care. But that is one of the greatest lies of the enemy, that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't love me, that God is just out there to punish us and hurt us. Like that is an absolute lie of the enemy. And the reason why we know that is a lie is because he sent his son Jesus to the world to save us. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a loving God. That's an amazing God. And even more so, that is an amazing Jesus that looks at our life as messed up as it may be and says, man, that's the apple of my eye. That's who I love the most. 
That's who I care about. That's who I'm pursuing. That's who I believe in. That's who I died for. And even more importantly, that's who I rose from the grave for too. Oh man, the, the grace of God is so good. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with finding out about, of the, about the grace of God in our most broken places. And here's the crazy thing about Jesus. He can relate to us in our brokenness. Because he experienced it on the cross. The perfect son of God experienced what we feel like every single day without him. So that we would never have to feel that way again. What mistakes have we made that we think define us? The people that we've hurt. The trust that we broke. God looks past all of those things. And he doesn't extend condemnation. What he extends is grace. So for again, many of us, we understand that. Great. Go back to that place where you remember the why of you coming to know Jesus. Because that why changes our heart every day. When it gets hardened, when it gets distracted, when it gets like, I'm good, I don't need God, like, ah, I'm good, whatever, you know, like, I'll get back there next year. Like, no. Remembering the when and the why oh, just brings us back to a place where the grace of God is so good. Lazarus ex experienced that firsthand because the grace of God brought him back to life. There are areas of our life right now that Jesus is saying, I want to bring that back. I want to bring back to life your marriage. I want to bring back the joy. I want to bring back your health. I want to bring back those relationships. I want to bring back your sonship. I want to bring back your daughtership. I want to bring back just breath that has purpose and meaning and desire and joy. Like, I want to bring it back. So what are those areas that God is saying, I'm about to bring it back? And what I love about these, again, just two verses. Jesus is talking to his father. Like right before he resurrects Lazarus, what does Jesus do? He has a conversation with his dad. And he tells his dad, I know, what you, I know you had this planned. But I want to make sure that what I do makes you known. Like isn't that crazy? Like Jesus is literally telling his dad, like man, God, you're going to be glorified when Lazarus comes back from the dead. I know you had this plan, but I still wanted to make sure. So we're good? Okay, got it. Miracle on the way. Jesus is on your behalf. He is interceding for us right now. He sees the things that we're going through. He sees the graves that we're occupying right now, and he is interceding. Angels in heaven are interceding right now. The Holy Spirit is knocking. This isn't really knocking. Knocking, knocking, knocking on our hearts. And just like any grave, just like any door, something needs to be moved so that grace could come in. He hears you. He knows it. And he's not angry with us. He's not angry with you. There's a new life and celebration and joy that he wants to reveal. If you're new in your faith and you haven't experienced yet, it yet, it's coming. And if you've already been in your faith for years, get back to the heart of worship. And remember how good it was that first time you came out of that grave. That's why we celebrate Christmas. All the decor is great. We've talked about this last week and we know this. So I'm sorry if I'm just sounding like a Grinch or a Scrooge. 
as much as we love all of those things, the best meaning of Jesus or Christmas is Jesus himself. And all of this hardship that we want to run from God because of is really the pathway for his grace to draw us back and bring us life. Amen. When Lazarus died, it was just the beginning of a miracle. When we die to the things of this world that we think would give us hope, that is the beginning of God's miracle in our life. Get ready. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, get ready. <laughs> God's ready to pour out his blessings upon us. Don't lose hope. Last point in your notes before we get into a pretty awesome testimony. Number three. The gift of new life gives us new purpose. Everyone say purpose. Purpose. Last two verses from this passage, 43 and 44. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, and like I said earlier, this is the profound line for us tonight. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. What I find so interesting about these last two lines from this story, from this miracle, is it doesn't end with the fact that Lazarus came to life. Like, wouldn't you think like that would be it? Like, oh, Jesus, like, he raised Lazarus. He's back from the dead. He came out of the grave. Like, his sister feels dumb now, you know, because she thought it wouldn't happen, but it happened. Like, let's go party. Like, Lazarus is alive. Jesus performed a miracle. And then Jesus is like, no, 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 no. One more thing. Take off the grave clothes. Then you can go. Coming to know Jesus and living in new life means that we need to physically take off, whether it be physical or even spiritual, the things that brought us death from before, what those cloths and linens represented on Lazarus was a proof of his death, was the example of why he's in the grave. That's a ritual that they did in order to bury people, they had to wrap them. So if you were wrapped, you were dead. It was done. It was over. That's it. And Jesus says, you're back alive. Take off those grave clothes. And then go. For many of us, right? Like we get up in life and we experience God's goodness and blessing. And we still are wrapped in our past. We still are wrapped in these mindsets and these narratives and these lies. We're so wrapped because of our circumstances and situations or the things that people have said or the things that we know the enemy keeps telling us every night that we go to sleep or every morning that we get up and we're wrapped in those things. And Jesus in his love isn't just compelled to raise us from the dead, but he also tells us by his grace, take off the death clothes because now you are alive and you are alive in me. And I don't know what the things are that we define ourselves on. I know there's a personal story that God wants to rewrite tonight through the word of God in our lives. 
But there are things that we need to take off of our life because those things represent death. And God is saying, you are no longer dead. You are alive. And it's a process. It's a process. Like our faith in God is not about perfection. It's progression. You'll have high highs. You'll have low lows. Not because God is low, but because we live in a fallen world. And we have our ups and downs. If you think you're only up, then you're wrong. You know, like just by nature, we have our ups and downs. That's just nature. But those ups and downs don't define God. What defines God is just simply love. And love always holds us in the highs and the lows. It is always present with us in the in-betweens. And it's God's love that tells us every single day, you are no longer in the grave. Stay out of it. You are no longer in the grave. Take off those clothes. You are no longer an addict. Take off of that mindset. You are no longer an adulterer. Live better because I love you. You are no longer defined by your anger or your mistakes or your lust or your this or that. Like God doesn't want us to stay there anymore. He wants us to come out of the grave. And when we come out of the grave, what, are we, what do we experience? We experience light. And when it's God's light, ooh, that's a good light. I've heard this phrase. I wasn't going to share this, but I feel led to share it, right? As long as there's a glimmer of light, there's no such thing as darkness. Because that light is shining somewhere. And for many of us, we need to hear that. Oh, I just got a glimmer of light. I just got a little flicker. That match might be on its last moment. My candle doesn't have a wick. My faith is about to die. And then Jesus says, man, I see that little bit of fire. I see that little bit of light. And that's all I need for my love to consume you. And the best part about our faith, when we experience the goodness of God, is the purpose that he gives us here on earth is to simply share about that love with people. Like, if you come to our church enough, you know, we talk about sharing our faith with people around us. Like, that is just what we believe in, what we do. Because we know that that's God's word for us. Jesus, right, he even said to his father, like, when this happens, you will be glorified, God. You will be glorified. So if God has changed our life by his compelling love and his unfailing grace and it's been the best gift and the best thing that has taken us from the grave to life from darkness to light how can we not share this with a world that is out there that's broken and hurting how can we not celebrate and be joyful like we brag about so many different things in our life just look at your social media you know like just look at it look at mine We celebrate our food, right? We celebrate PRs at the gym. We celebrate new haircuts, Christmas decor, new shoes or old shoes, new music, new things, parties, events, not bad stuff. But if we truly understand the goodness of God's grace, how could we not want to be ambassadors, witnesses, storytellers of the greatest thing that we have? I'm not saying our social media has to be full of just Jesus things. Unless you feel led to, that's cool too. I just want to say we celebrate so many things 
except the greatest thing that we should celebrate every single day. And what if we did celebrate Jesus every day? What if we did posture ourselves before God every day in our word, in prayer, as we're driving, as we're pondering, as we're reflecting, while we go to school, while we go to work, while we wake up, while we go to bed, while we're out there in the world, while we're conversating with people? What if we did glorify God and think about Jesus and remember about his unfailing love that took us from darkness to light and death to life in our life every single day? Like, what would our life look like? It would be better. It would be more humbled. It would be more grateful. It would be more intentional. It would be, less un- it would be more unencumbered. It would be more simple. And it would be way more worth living because Jesus and all that he's done. And the sole purpose of making sure what he's done in our life and really for all of humanity is made known. Like, it doesn't get any more simple than that. Like, love God, love people, share the gospel, make disciples. That's way easier than getting your license. That's all I got to say, okay? And then our instructions here on earth, so simple, so easy. And I'm speaking for myself so many times, so buried. Can we let the simplicity of who Jesus is, but also the profound and the miraculous of who he is, come to the top in this season and just not this season but really for the rest of our life what would our lives look like last passage second corinthians 5 14 to 21 goes like this for christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I love this line. I kind of got thrown off a little bit while I was reading it again. God, this passage is telling us, like, we need to be the appeal. Like, we are the ones appealing to God. Like, that is, our, that is now our responsibility as Christ followers and believers. Like, it is our role now, our responsibility to appeal to God for the world so that they would understand the reconciliation of faith through grace by Jesus and making him your Lord and Savior. You know who did that earlier in the passage that we just read? Jesus. Like, just I'm mind blown right now like Jesus right in that moment right before the miracle what is he doing he's appealing to God he's making a commitment Lord you be made known you be glorified and this passage from Corinthians tells us the same thing now that's our responsibility that we would be like Jesus appealing to God in lieu of life and death to the people around us hope and suffering 
We're right in the middle. And our roles are to appeal to God for their salvation and for God's glory. Amen. God's word hits, man. Cuts deep. As it should. Because it is his word. And tonight we're going to hear a a pretty powerful testimony. I've had the privilege of knowing this. uh, I was going to say young man, but he's not that young. So... This, this man, sorry, Ikaya. Um, I'm older than you, so I'm a lot older and less of a young man. But I've had the privilege of knowing this, this friend, brother in Christ, for the last few years. And he encompasses this story of how God looks at the circumstances and situations as things that we've done and looks past those things. And what does he see in us? He sees hope. And just getting to hear uh, his story over the last five years has actually inspired me so much. Because he's experiencing things in his life and his walk with God that I am still praying for and believing for myself. And he's going to share his testimony tonight. Uh, so help me welcome to the stage. Oh, he's also one of our small group leaders. Helps on, you know, run services on a Sunday night. His name is Ikaya Lewis. So help me welcome my friend, this young man, to the stage. Thank you, Ikaya. What's up, bro? I'm still young. I'm still young. What was that? I'm still young. You are still young. How old are you? Uh, 27. 27. Is that 27. young? Amen. All right. all right. You got some amen. There's no age in young. heaven, so we all young. Yes. All right. So, Ikaya, I'm going to start things off. Uh, we're talking about coming or experiencing the new life in Christ. I want to throw up a photo of Ikaya's old life. Um, I think we have a few shots of that on screen. Woo. All right. Yes, sir. All right. Next, next photo. A couple more. I think we have one more. No more. Oh, that's later. It gets better, y'all. Okay. Move back to the first one, please, Katrina. Thank you. All right, Ikaya, this is kind of like you living life without Jesus. You grew up knowing God. Your parents did the best that they could to lead you and build in you faith in Christ and Christ alone, but you had seasons where you kind of pursued your own things. Um, you know, this photo represents a lot of stuff for us. These photos kind of represent us looking into our own graves. What was our life like before Jesus? It's a reminder. And just even being here, Ikaya is getting a little emotional looking at this photo, which I think many of us would when we see just how far off we were before Jesus. Ikaya, can you tell us a little bit about what this photo represents to you? Yeah, I mean... Seeing it now on stage, it, it really hits different. But <clears throat> yeah, life before Christ, um, it was about three things, you know, money, power, and respect, you know. And when you're young and, and you get that, you get that money, you get that power, you get that respect, and you're not mature on, or you're not even sure on how to handle it, you have one option, and that's just to splurge it, you know, splurge it on shoes, splurge it on parties and, and drugs and stuff like that. And like Pastor Russell said, I grew up in a Christian household, so I knew the right from wrongs, the good from bad. But church to me was a chore. It was something that I had to do. So me being rebellious, you know, you look at that, what do you do to make your parents mad? You know, you disobey and you run away and you just, you go crazy. You get addicted to stuff that you shouldn't get addicted to and you do stuff that you shouldn't be doing. But yeah, my life before Christ revolved around those two things. Money, power, and respect. And again, when you get those things, it's satisfying for a while, but it makes you want more. And when I wanted more, what I did was I became a drug dealer, and I started selling drugs and luring people into 
the pit that I was in through the selling of drugs. And that's basically what that picture reminds me. And that's why it, it, it hurts me to this day because it's like, how much lives has I, have I ruined, you know, in that past time? But, yeah. That's the reality, though, for all of our lives before Jesus is, is we wreck things. That's what sin does. Sin breaks relationship with God, and it breaks relationship with us and other people. Sin hurts. Again, it makes the grace of God so good, but we have to sit a little bit on the bat in order for us to truly understand how good the goodness of God is. And I think, as you shared, you, you kind of... It's interesting, you said you were in the pit. So even as you were experiencing the success, even as you were experiencing the notoriety, even if though you were getting the money, all the things and the material things, and unfortunately, you know, with other people luring them into it, as you said, you identified as someone in a pit or in a, in a grave at the height of success in this area of sin. And, and it's crazy, you know, like sometimes we think like, these areas of our life is bringing us joy, but at some point you realize where you really are. And Ikiah shared with us that you felt like you were already in a pit. And again, pit, grave, like all of those things, it, there's so many narratives that you can take from it or like just the illustration of that is you're alone, it's dark, there's no way out. What did that look like for you? Like what, what was life like when you realized like you hit rock bottom and Actually, just we'll sit there for a little bit. What did it feel like to finally realize where you were? Yeah, I mean, honestly, life gets boring, you know. Like when you when you go out every weekend, it gets boring. Like if once you keep going DM, you can only go DMBs on a Wednesday for so long, and you start getting to know people, and it's like, bro, you are boring. Like you gotta grow up. But I mean, life, yeah, it got boring when I realized. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say if you go to DMBs on Wednesday, it's all good. No judgment. We get small group on Wednesdays. But yeah, well, we're just going back to Ikaya's yeah, story. So this is Ikaya's story. But if you go there on Wednesdays, don't feel bad. Just, but, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it got boring. How I realized I hit rock bottom was, you know, I threw a house. I was at a house party. And um, it was like maybe four, back in the day when you get energy, you stay up all night. Huh? So it was like four in the morning. It was all bust, if you guys know what that means. It was all rip and... I realized that I hit rock bottom because I wasn't drunk and I wasn't high. I was just sitting there, four in the morning, and just tweaking out, sitting there, looking at a dark, empty space. And that's when I knew I hit rock bottom. Reason being is because the person before my wife left me, and she was kind of like the person that I looked up to. It wasn't God. You know, we don't look at God when we first come to know him. We look to other things, and that was that person that I looked up to. And she left me, and I hit rock bottom. And then you start contemplating, right? You start thinking about suicide. You start thinking about things you should have done better, what you should have done, you could have done. And when it's four in the morning and you're sitting in the dark and you're just, you took all the drugs you could, you drank everything, and you're still sitting there and you realize that you don't feel you're numb to it. In the bodybuilding world, we call it callous, right? You become callous to, to pain and you callous to all these things. And that's how I knew I hit rock bottom and something was wrong because... Now you don't feel pain. Now you don't feel nothing. Your family slips away. You're like, shoots, I'm good. Your friends start leaving you because you're running out of money. It's like, Roger, got it, you know? You become numb to all these things, and, and, and nothing hurts you. Nothing satisfies you. Nothing becomes your joy. You, you don't become happy about normal things. You stop smiling, you know? So 
And that's how I knew I hit rock bottom, when I stopped feeling emotions, basically. We're built for emotions. That's how God's made us, right? It also reminds me of when you're dead, right? You don't feel anything. So you're kind of living dead, for lack of better words, right? Although God's word doesn't stay there, right? He brings us to a place of redemption. And we hear, right, in the passage we read that Jesus went to Lazarus while he was dead and told him, come out. Talk to us about that moment where God called you from death to life and he called his son out of the grave. It was an amazing moment. It was talking to my friends this one time about, about I was going to kill myself and we was talking and you know, they invited me to this thing called small group. And back then, small groups was like at Starbucks and all that kind of stuff. So we was at a Starbucks, and these guys just started talking to me about life and, and love and, you know, caring for me and really just sparking this little flame that I knew I had inside of me. And they started sparking it again. And um, <laughs> it wasn't until 2019 that... ProSight hosted a conference called the ENC Conference. And it was during one of those worship moments, just like we have here, you know. And me sitting there, arms crossed. By the way, if you guys sit with your eyes, arms crossed. God's going to wreck you the most. <laughs> just promise you. But we were sitting like this, arms crossed. And there was a prompting in my heart that really wanted to know more about what God had, in plan- had planned for me. You know, because you tried it. You tried the money. Tried the highs. Tried the lows. Tried everything you can. And we were sitting back there where that brother with the hat is sitting right now. I was sitting right there, and God put it on my heart to step forward. And when I stepped forward, we got to this thing, right, this front right here, and that's where I started surrendering, you know, just letting go of my ex, letting go of the drugs, letting go of everything that I believed was holding me down, was keeping me dead. And then somebody prayed over me. I don't know who it was, but they prayed over me. And that's where I decided, okay, God. I want to get baptized. I want to, I want to start this new life. I want to see what you have in store for me because I know that what you, I've heard it all my life from my dad, from my parents, that life is better with Christ, you know, but I want to experience it now. I want to do this from my own decision. And that moment is when the new life, I believe, started to begin. You know, it, wasn't all, it didn't happen right away. I mean, of course, I, I went home, still vaped, I still had addiction, still did everything. You know, it didn't like, oh, Raja, magic. You know, no, it, it took time. It was a process, but God worked it out, you know, and that was my calling out of the tomb moment. It was a calling out of the tomb, but it was also taking off the grave clothes. Yeah. You're no longer the addict. You're no longer the drug dealer. You're no longer the womanizer. You're no longer this and that. You are my chosen son, and I'm calling you out of the grave. Yeah? That's powerful. Um, can you go back to that first photo of Ikaya looking all cool? <laughs> Just so that you can get a quick glimpse, right? And can we get to the photo now with the water baptisms? We'll sit there for a little bit. Ikaya, talk to us about how living for Christ now has not only brought you out of the grave, but through small group, through relationship, through discipleship, through friendship and community, the person that was bringing people into pits and graves is now the person that's leading people to new creation, new life, new hope, and the glory for the glory of God. So talk to us about what, what life looks like now for you. It's still a battle. 
I'm not going to sit here and say life is good, it's perfect, it's a battle, every day is a battle. But every day I remind myself that I'm surrounded by loving men, I'm surrounded by a loving church, I'm surrounded by loving pastors, and I'm surrounded by a God that never gave up on me, so why would I give up on anybody else? Like, look at these guys, like, we all look different. I mean, <laughs> we always tell this joke that outside of church, we'd never hang out with each other, but I mean, look at that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's a new type of refreshing and a renewing, and it's, it's better than... I tried a lot of drugs, and this right here is the best feeling I've ever felt in my life, giving somebody the opportunity to accept Christ and allowing Christ to, to overwhelm them and transform them from the inside out. It's an it's amazing feeling. It's, a, it's an amazing journey and an amazing thing that I get to be a part of with these guys because this is just a moment, but a lot of these guys, I'm, I'm in it for the long run. You know, I want to do life with them. I got to be in a couple of their weddings. You know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. So. You also, have, uh, you also got married, though. Talk about your wedding, too. <laughs> Just picture the first photo, yeah? Where's Liana? Liana, thank you. Uh, thank you, is, Liana. That is my Praise wife. God for Liana. Mm, yes, we'll celebrate later, but... Um, <laughs> Talk to us about this. Yeah, this was an amazing moment because, I mean, when you live a worldly life, you don't believe in marriage. You believe in why have one when you can have all. And getting married, walking down that aisle, it, it really showed me the grace, the love, the compassion, the heart that God had for me. You know, It's like when I was so far, God was still there for me. And he blessed me with a wife that's way out of my league. I mean, she's amazing. And being married is something that I, I pray every individual can experience because it's an amazing feeling to have a, a partner to do life with, but also to build God's kingdom with. So, yeah. And it gets even better, yeah? Because we're not done yet. We've got one more awesome story to share. When I first met Ikai, one of the things I knew was he wanted to see God bring his relationships with his family out of the grave. Like that was one of the first things I remember hearing you talk about. Um, he he kind of alluded to it earlier. If your family leaves or if you leave your family, whatever. But when you came out of the grave, you realize that your parents were the ones that prayed for you so much growing up. You have siblings, you have nieces and nephews, right? You have family that don't know Jesus and you know, it's easy for us to reach small group or people our age, but it's a completely different thing when it becomes family, right? It doesn't get more personal than that. Um, but talk to us about your family. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. Yeah, like I said, my family is a good Christ-centered family. They love Jesus. They serve Jesus. But I've lost them for a minute, you know, I lost them for a couple, for a little while when I was doing my own thing. And I say I lost them because they never lost me. I know for a fact my mom then kept praying for me, my dad kept praying for me. They never lost hope. But the crazy thing is that they were praying for me when I got saved finally and I made that decision to want to start my own personal relationship with Christ. I started praying for my siblings. And when I started playing, praying for my siblings, I realized that this, I realized the power of prayer, but I also realized the amount of prayer that my parents were praying for me. So it was 
and it came full circle. I, mean, I don't know if you want me to go that far already. Tell us about what happened on Saturday. So yesterday we had, I had the amazing honor of baptizing my sister. Like, I don't know if we have that picture up. My sister and, and, and her husband got baptized yesterday and I got to, I had the privilege of being a part of that. And again, it was through long hours of prayers and pleading with God for just him to move in a way that I know he moved for me because my parents were praying for me. And now their prayer is for their kids to, to get baptized and to come like this. So it's full circle. Like, you don't give up. It, it may look like, you may, it may look like it's not working, but it's working. God is moving. You just keep praying. You keep praying. You never give up because I'll hold this picture dear for a long time because of what God did for my family. So, Family's here because they come, yeah? And they are Don't here. Put them on the spot. Come. I'm sorry, family, <laughs> but can you guys stand where you folks are? just want to celebrate you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Before we go into a time of worship, parting shot for all of us. Whatever God has placed yeah. on your heart, I'll be this quick. message in mind. Yeah. What is sin, right? Sin is anything that takes your eyes off the mark. It pulls you away from God. If you have an area that's pulling you away from God and your relationship with God, now is the time to deal with it. Don't wait. Don't wait. You, the Bible says our, our life here is fleeing. We're here today, gone tomorrow. If you are not connected, we hear this every week, but if you're not connected to a group, get connected. Start serving. Why serving? Because you need to take next steps in faith in order to grow. But you need to get connected. It doesn't matter if you're 17 or 71. We got groups for all ages. And the crazy thing is, we got groups all week, all weekend, all day, all night. And if you say, oh, I cannot meet. Bro, I just found out. We have groups Friday mornings at 7 a.m. at Zippy's in Kalihi. There is no excuse. Like, literally. But if it wasn't for my group, the accountability to keep pushing forward. And even when I fall, you know, the prayer that comes from the guys that I surround myself with, I wouldn't be here. I'd still be stuck in, this, in sin. I'd still be stuck. So with that, I leave the ball in y'all's courts and it's up to you what you guys want to do with it. But the time is now. Mikhail Lewis. Oh man, the tears are real. With all heads bowed and eyes closed. We're gonna go into this time of worship and we're just gonna let God move. But before we do, or we do, just a simple prayer. God wants this to be personal, this moment of worship. wants it to be personal so when we go into this time of worship Lord I pray for every single one of us that these words on the screen will not just be a song that we sing but it would be the cry of our heart and that cry of our heart God would posture and prepare us for what you want to do next in our life tonight and for the rest of our life Lord I know God, I know that this word hit home 
I know that the testimony inspired, but Lord, beyond all of those things, Lord, I pray that it is your spirit tonight that will move and that you would be glorified and that you would be honored. So Lord, we thank you for the words that we get to sing that come from the depth of our souls. So Lord, we stand right where we are. Just feel free to stand and we sing, God, because you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we all said, Amen.